this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. What an anointing on that song. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to have you have your seats, Brother Ray. If you don't just have a seat for a minute or two, I'll have you stay. Musicians, all two of you can stay up here. And uh, God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. When you're happy to be a Christian. Amen. We're happy for that and uh, we're grateful. I'm sorry to hear about the Steves. Brother Frank was one of the first that booked himself in for this service, and then Sister Joyce took a fall, and we're going to remember them in prayer, and we believe it's going to work for good. So Brother Frank, Sister Joyce, wherever you are this morning, we're with you, and God bless you. Nice to see some more faces, not all of them, but some of them. It's nice to see them. Some are fuller. It's good to see, and uh, there's one up there that's quite full, and... um, if it's a happy day for him, it's Brother Jared's birthday. <laughs> we appreciate Brother Jared. He's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes, and he's been doing a lot of work coordinating. So we just uh, thought, you know, birthday or not, may as well be here and working. That's, that's the place for him. And plus, we get to greet him personally. So God bless you, Brother Jared. We appreciate you. God bless you. Amen. Make sure your family does something for you. Faith cometh by hearing. Okay, great. There's been a a couple of little adjustments we're just working with and tinkering with the coming to the services. Um, the, The government's always coming out with more clarifications. It's hard to stay on top of it, but... What they've done now is they've um, allocated anybody that's two years or under as not counting towards the 50 that are a part of our gathering. So if you have a child that's two or under, you don't actually have to register. You can bring them, but two or under if you don't mind, okay? Also, if I can say, when we've had a couple of double bookings, we're trying to work that around with some of the um, officers and such that are helping. And then not everybody is taking advantage of, we had tried to schedule, we thought everybody could work in every eighth service. Not everybody is taking advantage of that, and there, there can be some good reasons for that. There can be, you know, some are elderly, some, some just don't want to be taking a risk with things, and we appreciate that and we respect that. There's others that are kind enough and say, I, I'll give my spot to somebody else. That's a good reason. And there's probably other reasons too. The couch is more comfortable than the pews. That, that reason may exist, too. I, you know, let's just be honest. We're all human beings, okay? <laughs> and or, I don't, or the drive's too far or whatever. You know, I, I want to just say something. Whatever the reason is, and, and you need to know this in your heart, but you all have something to give to the service. Everybody that comes is a blessing. Everybody does something. So let's not be like Laodicea, looking for what ourselves is. Look what you can do for the body. Look what you can do for someone else. 
And if you can be a blessing, well, I don't sing and I don't do that. Listen, I don't sing and I'm up here. Listen, you, whatever you do, your presence gives faith to someone. So let's be Christians. Let's, let's be a partaker of, of, of everything. Amen. Everyone has something to give, so we appreciate that. I'm going to start the service a little different this morning. I'm just going to have you all wait up here. I want to just put that PowerPoint on right away, if you don't mind. And then we're going to do a couple of slides, and then we're going to go into the Scripture. So just stay where you are, if you don't mind, for a moment. There's a couple of different pictures that I want to present to you here this morning. And if I can paint a little bit of a picture, I'd like to say it's, it's very good to be in church this morning. Uh, that's where I'd like to be. And, and not just if in this building, but I want to be before the throne of God. That's where I want to be. I, I don't, I don't want to be in a shopping mall. I don't want to be on a crowded street somewhere. I don't want to be where, I want to be before God this morning. I trust that's in your heart. I don't know if you've heard in the news, there's this thing going around. Have you heard about that? Anybody? Well, just in case, I'm going to put this up for you this morning. But this is, this you've likely maybe seen something, maybe heard something, coffee shop talk or whatever, things like that. So whatever, you, just in case you haven't, I'm just putting this up for you. But this has kind of been going around. So we've been, we've been seeing pictures like that. You know, if you're on the southern side of the border, you've been seeing pictures like that. And sometimes we see them here too. And, and, and then, you know, there's other pictures. And, you know, finger pointing about, you know, one nation against another nation and, 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 and judging each other. You've probably seen all these stats. This is across the United States. We've seen them across Canada. This is the world that's out there. This is the world that our eyes see, that, that we're physically a part of. And, and, and we can say that from being in here, but there's a lot of people that aren't where we are. And we need to appreciate where we are, that we can see the things we do. These are pictures that would be part of the world that we would see, glasses, sorry, glasses, masks, gloves, hazmat suits, whatever else is out there. You know, all kinds of vaccines and such being proposed. These are part of the pictures that we see. These are some of the headlines that you may have been privy to. You know, killer virus now spreading fast. And, you know, events being canceled. Uh, you may have seen this, stay at home. These are all the things we're hearing. Care homes, catastrophe, lockdown for three more weeks. This is the news. Okay, just, just in case you haven't heard the news or you don't get out much, I'm just trying to keep some people informed here. That, that's, is that all right? Okay, thank you. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of theorists, you know, about how the Chinese Communist Party endangered the world. Like, listen, no matter who did it, how it came about, God allowed it. So before you get all upset at, at one nation or other nation, you need to just say, God allowed this for a purpose. I, I, I'm not just going to get in my flesh and jump all over somebody. God allowed it. We need, to re we need to remember that. You know, you've probably seen a few of these headlines. You know, no vaccine, coronavirus update, you know, borders closed. You know, maybe you've seen a few more. Maybe this is all you've seen. This is the news that's out there. We're inundated with it. Okay? Now, let, let me just take it a step further now. Uh, last week, you, there, there was a policeman that... A few policemen had arrested someone 
person died in their custody, the way it was handled, the videos. People have been locked down for two months. Now they're coming out, and now they have a reason to vent. And their minds are in different places. So this man who passed away, you saw some protests the last couple days. Started peaceful, but then turned violent. Anarchy, they're calling it. It's unprecedented. They're, they're putting curfews in the United States. On, you know, these are people who a few, year, a few days ago were worried about being close to each other. They're running in mobs now. I was watching last night. You know, they're, they're, they're running into stores, looting them. They're like, like their minds are gone. This is, this is the news. These are cities that are all got armored guards and different things that are happening. This is just the last few days. If you lived in one of these, this is the world we live in. It's not a world I want to make my home in. You know, and, and all kinds of things. Look, at where's the, okay, where's the social distancing here? <laughs> this, this is yesterday in the cities of America. This is, this is, this is the mindset of people, everyday people. And all it takes is one trigger point and look where it takes them. What are we feeding on and what's the trigger point for us? Third night of protests, people getting arrested. They can't even, they have to arrest them and release them only because they don't have room in the jails anymore. This was last night. Fires. People just running wild, even though there is a curfew. They don't even have enough police to help. I don't want to be here when the tribulation happens. Oh, my loving brother. This was the police station that was involved. They set it on fire. This is, this is the United States. This is the world. Okay, how many are interested in, in, in you know, that, that's the news. But how many are interested in the good news. <laughs> okay, so we're going to leave that news. That's all you're going to see from here. And I just did that in case you hadn't been out or noticed anything. So that, that's just for your benefit there. Uh, but I, I, I want to just drop in a little bit of extra news here. Let me, let me say this. In the middle of a world that is groaning, in the middle of a world that is going through uh, an upheaval and, 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 and a worldwide upheaval, every nation, everybody is affected. This is in Israel in March of this last year. The earth that is a scorched desert started blooming. This is, this is what happened in Israel. In the middle of all of that, now I'm just going to drop this in. Naturally, God's eyes are on a piece of real estate called Israel. Spiritually, God's eyes are on a people called the bride. Hallelujah. Now, if God is doing that for a natural land, what is he doing for a spiritual land? Earlier this, in March of this year, while the earth was groaning in the midst of the coronavirus, the natural land and desert of Israel started blossoming and bringing forth. Isaiah 35, verse 1, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, 
And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. One of the most desolate places on the earth is the Dead Sea. And it's called the Dead Sea for a reason. This is the Dead Sea this year. On the shores of the Dead Sea. It's blooming in unprecedented measure. This is the earth that's groaning. The earth doesn't know. When God touches something, it'll happen no matter what's happening around it. These are some of the newspaper articles. Rains bring stunning floral displays to a parched Dead Sea. Coming alive at the Dead Sea, the desert bursts into bloom. This is the natural land. While we are a spiritual people, the land of God that we've been given is the Holy Ghost. It's the attributes, it's the nature, it's the character of God. That can also be blooming. That's why we're here today. Isaiah, this is a headline out of one of the newspapers. Isaiah saw it coming long ago, but who could imagine the scene we see today? For years, Israel has cultivated, exported fresh flowers around the world, grown in greenhouses in the desert. We, so we have been able to see the truth of this verse come to pass. While it is not unusual for wildflowers to spring up in the desert after the winter rains, but there is a veritable carpet of flowers draped around the Red Dead Sea at the moment, the likes of which no one can remember seeing before. Israelis are going out to take a look for themselves in great numbers. I saw a couple of YouTube clips on it. That's, that's, and I'm not saying that's the fulfillment exactly of that word, but I'll just say this, God's eyes are on that land. Let me just take two or three quotes and then we're going to sing a song and bring it into our scripture. Revelation chapter 4. One of these mornings, friends, when it's all over, she'll bloom again. The fields that with its whitening clover, the fragrance off of the rose will blend in with the blossom off the tree of life and Christ will return some morning. When the big birds, the doves, will sit in the trees and coo, there'll be no more death and no more sorrow. Christ and his redeemed will return to earth. How many are interested in the news now? That's the news I'm looking for. That's the newspaper I want to be reading. But we'll be young forever. We'll stand in his likeness. The sun and the stars will outshine. The first seal. Joseph was the son of prosperity. No matter where he went, it always prospered. Joseph is a type of Christ. You wait till he comes to earth. Wait till our Joseph comes. The desert will blossom as a rose. The son of righteousness rises with healing in his wings. I don't think it's unrealistic to expect healing. As the earth is blossoming in Israel, so it can blossom here. If you have a need, God can blossom in you today. The Son of Righteous will rise with healings. Brother Ron Spencer can be healed. Others can be healed. God is the same God as he is to Israel. So he is to the bride. And he says, oh my, all the cactus around Arizona will unfold into beautiful trees. It'll be beautiful. Let's just take this last two quotes here. Future home. Future home. <laughs> I'm looking to move on up to another dimension. This is not just a story. That's what the bride goes. Even a desert shall blossom and be a rose. 
Now think about this. Satan and sin and the sinners has gone forever. It's all done. It's blended into eternity. Let's just go a step further. When the holy fire of God sterilizes the earth, you talk about a sterilizing compound. It'll beat the one that we got in the church lobby right here any day. He says, he has lifted his bride which can come into heaven with him while this is going on. And he comes back on the earth again, a new heavens and a new earth. The cold winter can't hurt it. The hot summers can't hurt it. The deserts will blossom as a rose. Sin and sinners are gone. God and his creatures and creation is dwelling together in perfect harmony. As the heavens and the earth is husband and wife, so is Christ and the church, and they'll all meet in one big glorious plan of redemption and are brought right back in to the bosoms of God again. Do you see it? I see it. I feel it. <laughs> Let's stand together. Brother Ray, want to just sing a song or two yet before we change the order? We're going to go to the scriptures. That was a little different beginning, but I felt I needed to sort of get our focus to where we were going this morning. Isn't he good? Going home, I'm going soon. We're going to a land, friends. I'm going home Yes, I'm going soon Oh, I'm going where I belong For before we go to the word into the chamber into the chamber into the chamber be free holy spirit and speak to Chicken. 
just continue to play softly, Sister Angie, and we just bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be shut in this morning, not just in this building, but Lord, to be shut in with you, shut in with God in a secret place. Lord, if there's a lockdown that we could be a part of, that's the lockdown we want to be a part of. Shut in with you, Lord. Father, there's no other place we'd rather be. We may not be in this church. We may not be. But Lord, we want to be found in you this morning. Would your presence just come over us this morning? Father, we're all human beings. We're all full of faults and failures. That includes the minister. That includes any great one among us. But Lord, there is one that shines. There's one that's beautiful this morning. There's one that means everything to us this morning. Lord, you're that one this morning. Would you just come into our hearts and our minds and come into our places? May the gentle dove of God be welcome this morning. Oh, Lord, brood over us this morning. May we make much of your presence. May we welcome you this morning. Father, we invite you this morning. You mean everything to us. Come, Lord. We invite you, and we know you come where you're invited. Lord, as we open the Scriptures, as we go into the Word, may you just take this service into your hands. Forgive us our shortcomings. Look through the blood. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's just turn our Bibles this morning. Thank you for waiting. And... Uh, Sometimes it's good to change the order up a little bit anyway. We're going to turn to Exodus chapter 30. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Sister Ruth, I'm going to actually just turn to the PowerPoint so you can follow through. I'm going to take this on the PowerPoint because I want to move right to it from the place. So I'll, use, I'll read the scriptures from up here. But we're going to Exodus chapter 30. And uh, so I want to speak as a follow through from last Sunday, the fragrance of our approach Part two, this will be. We took the scripture last weekend, but this morning we're going to take Exodus 30, verse 22. So this is right where, if I can just lead into the portion that we led last week, but let's just start it here from verse 22, and this is now where um, they are taking and uh, anointing all the elements of the, the, the sanctuary, the tabernacle. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, of sweet cinnamon, half so much, so 250, even 250 shekels, and of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary. So this was going to be a mix that could not be tampered with. So it was going to be done by the weight of the shekel of the sanctuary. That was always pure. And we measure everything by the word of God. So he said, and of olive oil, a hin. So this is now, they're, they're working together to make an anointing oil. Verse, verse 25, and thou shalt make a holy, an, an oil of holy anointment, ointment, an ointment compound after the art of apocathery. It shall be a holy anointing oil. So it's, it's just a mix in a 
in a watery form. You know, it, it's done this way. And, and he says, And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all the vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense. So we, we're, we're seeing how that's all being, being followed through. Everything, all the furniture is being anointed. And then he goes on, and the altar of the burnt offering with all his vessels and the laver and his foot. And thou shalt sanctify them that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. Now he goes on, and I'm not going to read all of this, but in verse 30 to 33, then he says, And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them. And he says, And, and you shall speak to the children of Israel. This should be a holy anointing oil on all your generations. You don't just pour it on any flesh. It's specifically for the role of the priest. Now remember, Revelations 5, God has made us kings and priests. We have a right to come before the throne this morning. We have a right to, to come before him and ask things, not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done in us, what he's provided. He's given us the provided way. And, and he would go on and say in verse 33, and he'd say, whosoever compoundeth it, any like it, or whosoever putteth it on a stranger shall be cut off from his people. Now, I'm, I'm going to just drop this in. It's not my subject today, but I'm talking, we're coming to the third pull. There is no replication of the third pull. You can't, you can't do it. It's not intellectual. It's not, it's not impersonated by emotion or gifts, but it's holy unto God. Now, let's just take it up from verse 34. So now we've spent from 22 to 31 talking about the anointing oil, which is in a liquid form. Now we move to the altar of incense. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stacked, and onyches, and galbanon. These sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a like weight. So don't tinker with the recipe. Leave it just the way God has it. And thou shalt make a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, you shall not make it to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make it like unto it to smell thereof shall be cut off from his people. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Thank you for standing. Thank you for putting up with me. And, and, and just as I start to go into this. Now, if I can just say this, the anointing oil in the first part of this here was an, an anointing oil. It was first, and we're talking about the approach to the tabernacle. So maybe I need to, to give a little bit of a, uh, a thought to this here and a picture. So this is the tabernacle in the wilderness. Uh, 
And we know the tabernacle had four sides. You entered from the east, going to the west, and then there was the north and there was the south. But the tribes were all arranged, three tribes on each side. So God was setting forth an order. What he did in the Old Testament was with, in mind with what we are doing today. And you would walk into this, into the outer court, and in this outer court, that's where you had the, 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 the labor, the altar of sacrifice. Then you had the building, which was the, the holy place and the most holy place. So we understand that, but this, this is where the sacrifice was given. The priest would take the sacrifice. They would begin to move in. Let's just take... Here, give you. This is the altar of burnt offering. This is where the entrance was. This is from the east, going to the west. Then behind it was a laver where the priests had to wash their hands. They had to do all these things. They had to move into the holy place. And in the holy place, there was three pieces of furniture. There was the lampstand. There was the table of the showbread. There was the altar of incense. So the altar of incense was right before you entered the holy place. So the approach on all of this was you came sincerely. You sacrificed. You would lay your hands on your sacrifice. The priest would offer it. And it was meant to be approached sincerely, reverently, different than any other way you did business. This was meant a certain way. But over time, it became common. Over time, it became just a duty. Over time, and, and, and now just listen to the language of, of God in the Bible. It began as, to be a stench in the nostrils of Jehovah. So the smell entered the, 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 into, the, into the attributes of God where it was important to him to have the right smell. And it still is important to him. So now you'd go in and you come into this place. So all these elements were anointed with this holy anointing oil. And you know, if you take any of these spices and you take them in their raw form, they may give a certain fragrance, they may give a certain thing, but certain fragrances are meant to be composed together. You don't just take them in the rawest form and pour them on somebody. I found that out very badly one day when we have some oils in our home and they were poured on my back and they weren't diluted. So my back was on fire, but it's okay. I, I, I learned through that. So it's okay. Don't worry, don't worry. We've got... You know, we've got physicians in the house that are more well-trained now. But you're all okay with me, are you here? I'm talking about natural oils, okay? <laughs> so the oils were meant to be diluted. They were meant to be mixed together. And these oils represented a holiness unto God. So there was something with them that they went a certain way. Now as you came to this altar of incense... The scripture delineates in verse 34 and it says, Take these spices temper them together. You've got to beat them. Very small. And now just think about it. This is the last place that you go to, that the priest would go to before he enters the ark. So it's the very last place. It's the last thing that you do. And, and there was something associated not with just water, but now it had to be tempered. And incense is utilized in a, in a powdery form. And there's a, a fire or there's a fragrance that begins to fill all of this. So it had to be something that would permeate the air. It, it, it had to be something that was associated with the atmosphere. It had to be something that God was establishing for all generations. Are you with me? Just say amen once in a while. It helps me. Okay. 
Now, I, I didn't read this scripture earlier, but in, in Isaiah, or sorry, in Exodus chapter 40, and you don't have to turn to it, Sister Ruth, leave this up, please. But he, he would go on to say about this incense, and it was talking about how the tabernacle was set up, and, and they lighted the lamps before the Lord in verse 25. Verse 26, he put the golden altar in the tent of the congregation, so it was a golden altar in the tent of the congregation before the veil, and he burnt sweet incense thereon. So it wasn't just incense that was pungent, but it was sweet. And it was sweet before the Lord. Okay? So this was the holy place. There was the, the, the seven golden candlesticks that gave light. There was the table of the showbread. There is the golden altar before you go into the holy place. So when you look at it, and you look in the furniture here, the table of the showbread, the golden candlesticks, and then the golden altar, the golden altar was something like this. And it was set up, and there was the horns of the altar. This is where the, they could move it, and they could do it. But on here is where, just as you entered in, where the incense was offered. And as the incense was offered, they would mix it together according to the composition they were given. Then they would light it on fire. This incense would fill, and they would begin to move into the holiest of holies. God ordered it that way. So, now let's just take it a step further. I'm going to just take a couple more slides, and then I want to go into where I'm going. So, over time, the tabernacle in the wilderness became the temple. The temple was at the highest place in Jerusalem. It was at a high place. It was, I'll just show you a bit of a map here, but that was the temple as it was built. The, the temple, they had an outer court. They came in, it was a holy place. So it was done after the order of the tabernacle in the wilderness. So that was in Jerusalem. It was, if you take the topography, there was lower places down here. There was the upper area where the, the temple was. That was at a place and now God was doing all of these things. Remember, when Moses established the order in the wilderness, he said, do it according to the pattern that I have given you. So even when God thought about Jerusalem as the place, even that fulfilled the pattern of what God was going to do. So we take it. This is a map of Jerusalem as it existed back then. If you take this map, the north is up and you, the south is down, but the structure of the temple was east to west because you came in from the east and you walked in towards the west, but the north, this was up at the highest place, and I'm going to say that for later in the service. So let's just look at it today. This is where the temple was. This is how it looked one time. It was here, but now there's the Dome of the Rock. That's the, the abomination that makes desolation as it's known in the Bible. This is sort of a, a structure of it today. There's the lower places. This is where you come up. This is where the Temple Mount is, or Mount Moriah. This is the Dome of the Rock. This is what exists there right now. So I'm just bringing all of that. You can turn the PowerPoint off. Thank you. Okay, I won't use that anymore. I've kind of used up a lot of time just to get where I'm getting to. Now I want you just to go back with me to Exodus chapter 25 for a moment. I want you just to look at this order. Go with me. These are all types and shadows. Types and shadows help us to understand what God's mind was about certain things and what he's looking for. So in Exodus chapter 25, this is after they come out. 
You know, it's, it's one thing to come out from the world, but God doesn't want us just to come out from the world. He wants to make us a temple of the living God. He wants to have a walk with us. He wants to have communion and fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And if, and if you're born again, that's in your heart too. I'm not just waiting for eternity so I can be free of everything. I want that walk now. I want to enter that channel now. I want to be in that now. I want to be moving with that now. And I'll say this, if you're not moving with it, I doubt that you're going to actually be a part of it. That's a strong statement. But you've got to be in the channel. So Exodus 25. Now, Moses had gone up into the mount, and the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 1, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Every man that giveth willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. God still loves a cheerful giver. God doesn't care. God has the cattle on a thousand hills. God doesn't necessarily need you to drop a tithe or an offering in the box and just have a bad attitude about it. But he loves someone who gives from his heart who gives from his being. He wants people that are going to be a part of the economy of God. And when you're a part of the economy of God, you know you've invested something. You know you've given something. There'll be a return on that. So he tells them, this is the offering that you shall take of them. Now look at, look at how he takes these materials. Gold and silver and brass. So these are raw materials, gold, silver, brass. Then he takes these colors, blue and purple and scarlet. Now these are colors that are not easily obtainable in nature, but you have to search them out. Now God knew that. He could have said just take some green and take some brown and bring it to me and everybody would have had it. But God did this for a reason because he expects us to dig. He expects us to work a little bit. He expects us, if we're serious, that we're going to get into it. We're not just going to show up on Sunday morning. This is my best clothes, Lord. This is all I am. No, we're going to show up prepared. We've been in prayer. We've been reading our Bible. We've been doing things. And we're going to be a part of the service. So God is actually asking the same thing of them. Gold, silver, and brass, blue, and purple, and scarlet. And then he goes, and fine linen. So now it's moving from raw materials to fine linen. And then goat's hair and ramskins dyed red. Now here's the one thing that was actually brought there. It was prepared beforehand. It was dyed red. You couldn't just bring a ramskin and dye it there. It had to be dyed red before it was ever presented. So that's just a representation of Christ, of him, of the sacrifice that was to come. And he would go on to say, and badger skins, and shittim wood. And then he would say, oil for the light. So there had to be oil for the, the candlesticks. There had to be oil for certain things. Now he's beginning to tell you what these things are for. Spices for the anointing oil. And for sweet incense. So these spices had a specific role in this whole thing. And then onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod. That's in the priest's garment and in the breastplate. And all of this summarized in verses 8 and 9. Let them make me a sanctuary. That I may dwell among them. According to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof 
even so shall you make it. Now, if you take now the scriptures, and I'm, I'm going to just pick up a few parts of this. Now, God is so great that we can't just say, you know, put our finger and say, that's God. Because from our perspective, we can't put him in a box. We can't put him in a bottle. We can't just give him one character. God has so many various attributes and characteristics that all of these types and shadows give us a, pers a perspective or a picture of God. So the, the order that is in the Old Testament here, you know, the, the whole order of the tabernacle, the whole order of, of the materials, the coming together of the materials, they're all representing God. And it's showing how God is actually working in the last days. So he now goes a little further, and we go over to Exodus chapter 31. We had read in chapter 30 where God had told them, these are all the items. Now God is going to put the pieces together. So in Exodus chapter 31, if we start reading in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, and saying, See, I have called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. So he called someone specifically to have a part in putting this together. And God says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, and in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. So this didn't come from the idea of a man. This didn't come because somebody just had a gift. It was because God had purposed that gift to be integral to the body that was going to, and the work that was going to be performed. God calls ministry. He calls, he didn't just call Brother Branham. He called he didn't just call Paul, but Paul also had Timothy. Paul had Titus. Paul had others that were a part of the economy of God. Paul wrote letters to them. Brother Branham left tapes for us. And he said, see, some of you ministers will pick that up and break it to the people. So when you just say, well, I don't need ministers, well, you, you argue that with God. And I'm not just saying because I'm a minister. It's because I feel an anointing on me. And I've got to follow it. And if you're a singer, you've got an anointing on you. God gave you that anointing. If you're one who prays, God gave you that. Everybody has a part. And no matter who you are. So don't just sit back. Be a part of what God is doing. Be a contributor. If it is to pray, then pray. If it's to sing, then do it with, with all that's in your heart. Whatever it is, do it before the Lord, unto the Lord. So this is God's order from the beginning. So he filled this person with that. To devise cunning works. To work in gold. And in silver. And in brass. And in cutting of stones. Why does God send a prophet? Because a prophet has to cut the stones. He has to shape them. And, and you know, Brother Adam would take end time evangelism and he would talk. He says, what good is it to have a mason if you, don't, if you can't shape stones? You've got to have stones. There's got to be a mason to shape them and work with them. We are all a part of the work of God. I may be a minister, but I'm shaped by what I hear. I'm shaped by the gifts that God sends to us. I'm shaped by the, the prophet's words. We're a part of a program here. And he says now, in, in, in silver and in brass, and in cutting of stones, 
to set them, and in carving of timber, to work in all manner of workmanship. So God ordained this, this individual. I mean, you talk about being gifted, but for a purpose. And Brother Branham would talk about Elvis Presley. He was gifted, but he sold out to the devil. He would say, you don't use the gift of God. He spoke of Fanny Crosby, who would not sell it for commercial gain. You talk about a prophet who was true. Friends, it's not just the gift we have. It's how we carry the gift. It's our approach with the gift. It's how we are with it. Jacob despised the birthright, and he lost out on the birthright. Sorry, Esau despised the birthright. Correction. Jacob loved the birthright. He desired the birthright. We catch a glimpse into what pleases God. Now he also says in verse 6, Behold, I have given unto him, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamach, of the tribe of Dan. Now that, the tribe of Dan was one of the tribes on the north. And in the hearts of all of them that are wise-hearted. Now he, he goes on, I'm giving you this guy, but I'm actually giving you more. I'm giving you a people. He says, and in the hearts of all of them that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee, the tabernacle of the congregation, the ark of the testimony, the mercy. So he goes into telling them all of these things. Drop down to verse 11. I didn't think I, I, I brought you that far, Sister Ruth, but verse 11. And the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place. According to all I have commanded thee shall they do. So if you, if, you, if you follow this through and you read this through, sometimes it's, it's amazing how the order of it was, how God started and he led up to something and now he's talking about how he's enacting it and how he's doing it and, and he follows it through. Let's just jump over to Exodus chapter 36, if you don't mind. We're going to read from verse 1. So now they're a little further into the story. Now this man that God placed all these things... Then wrought Bezaliel and Eliohab and every wise-hearted man. Then when you say wrought, that means they're working. They're doing something. So if you're a wise Christian and you're under the pull of the hour, you're, you're looking to redeem the time. You're looking not just to, you know what, let's ride out this COVID thing. and No, let's use this time. Let's make much of this time. Let's prepare for the coming of the Lord. And he says, and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work in all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Elohab and every wise-hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. Even everyone... Now listen to this part. Whose heart was stirred, whose, and whose heart stirred him up to come unto the work of it. Now, it was Paul speaking to a Timothy. And he said, stir up the gift that is in you. In other words, and he would tell the preachers, he says, don't rust out, preachers. Stay in the saddle. Do something for the Lord. If you're not ministering, you're studying. If you're a, you got a gift, you're waiting on the Lord for your gift. If it's to write a song, you're waiting on God. So you need to stir it up. So how do you stir it up? Just by sitting idle and, you know, I'll wait till something comes by my way. You know, like a piece of fuzz that, that just, you know, just, you know, that, that's so 
invigorates my allergies at this time of year. And actually, I shouldn't say it. The allergies that I'm presently dealing with, they're not mine. So just going to keep believing that. So anyway, just, just as it was, so his heart was stirred up. So we need to be in the spirit of revival, Brother Branham would say. You know, we, you, you can have a gift and you can lay dormant. And if you're dormant, you know, you're not of much use to go. But your heart needs to be stirred. Friends, I look for the message to grip you. How many can say, thank God that I'm here this morning? Thank God that I'm called by God. So however many years that was, I thank God I'm not the same person I was back then. I thank God I'm not the same person I was one year ago. I thank God I'm not the same person I was two months ago. It's always increasing. It's always moving. So he says, stir it up. I love it. we got some ministries that can stir you up here. I appreciate them. Every ministry, you know what? You, you can't just put a ministry in a box. Every pastor will deal things differently because God has given them a particular personality. He's given them certain traits. Now, those traits can be used the wrong way. Brother Branham had traits used the wrong way with his temper. He would have shot and killed somebody. He had certain traits, but when they began to be funneled the right direction, he was fearless. He was bold. Now, God empowers us all certain ways. So you can actually take, I don't know if you've ever gone to, uh, you know, if you've gone shopping with your wife and she happened to go through the section that has the perfumes. They give you a little card. You know, they give you a little card and then the little card, you know, you walk through and they, do you want to try this perfume? Do you ever see them standing in the, in the mall? Like maybe you haven't been in the mall the last two months, but that's okay. It's good. It's good for us. So <laughs> they, they give you these little cards. Do you want to try some? So they squirt a little something on it and you go, oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Or you go, <laughs> no, not that, not for me. You know, I personally avoid them. I, I, I walk by them. This way. And then I come back. They see me coming back them all the other way. I put my other hand up and walk on the other side. But you know what? You take that and it smells one way. But you take that and you take that anointing and you put it on skin and the mix of your skin gives a different aspect to it from one person to the next person. So the anointing that we've been given, it'll channel one way to one person. It'll channel another way to another person. So you allow the gift to come under the anointing. Don't worry about how somebody else acts. Don't worry about how somebody else. Don't try to fit somebody's thinking. Work to pleasing God. Don't work. And when we please Him, we'll fit into the body. Now, so everybody's been given this gift, different gifts, different pastors do different things, evangelists do different things. And you know, and Brother Adam would make statements, why their nature a certain way. But not every evangelist is the same. You know, some, some will stand right behind the pulpit, some will run around the pulpit, some will have a hard time standing still. So everybody's different, so let everybody be who they are. And we need to respect that God is anointing, don't just look at the personality or emulate a mold, but stay under an anointing. Now we're talking about a fragrance. 
Brother Branham would say, he says, be yourself. God will appreciate you more. Others will appreciate you more. But when you try to make yourself to be somebody, and I'll tell you what, a big part of our freedom comes when we actually are with the Lord. Then you're free. Then you act without your brain telling you. Then you act without worrying. You know, am I saying this right according to the doctrine? No. Then you're acting from the spirit God has given you. I've got to move along. Where did I end up? I'm in verse 3. Let's go into verse, verse 3. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it with all. So now... God brings together these wise-hearted individuals. They've had the commandment to bring these things. They bring it to the sanctuary, and they make it a free will offering. It's not like, hey, you, you better record what I gave there. No, that wasn't it. This is for God. This isn't so you can have a string attached to it. And all the wise men, verse 4, that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the Lord. Oh my. Isn't that a wonderful testament? You know what? They brought more than was necessary. They brought even more. You know, I, you know what? I, you know, maybe they were to bring the part of a singer, but they brought a prayer life too. But they brought a happy disposition too. They brought something else. Thank God. Let it be full and overflowing to abundance. God loves that. God loves it when the anointing... You know, I think it's in the book of Psalms. When the anointing oil that went on Aaron and it ran down his beard and it dripped all over him. You think, oh man. He probably got all messy. He probably did. But God loved that. And God loves it when you're full and overflowing. But the measure with which we meet is the measure that we receive. You just give a little bit of yourself. You know, if you're just a little cactus and you give a little poke once in a while, that's exactly what you get back. My, oh my. I had a picture. <laughs> I shared that one quote about the desert will blossom. Brother Doug Baker in Tucson, he lives in Tucson, he was sending me a video clip of, a, of his backyard. It's, it's like a gravel pit. It's nothing in it. There's, there's a piece of cactus and there's something. And I going, I sent, a, I, was, I sent that quote and said, the desert will blossom a rose. Even Arizona, Brother Branham said. I said, there's hope for you, Brother Doug. <laughs> hey, there's hope for us. You know what? Maybe you've been a little shriveled, a little dried up. You know, that happens from being too inward. That happens from just taking your own life, and it's just about me. That's Laodicea. That's the world that we live in. I don't want to, I'm not a part of that world. I'm a part, yeah, maybe I've been in isolation, but I've been texting people. I've been communicating with people. I try to encourage people. I'm not blowing my own horn here, because I get encouragement too. Every once in a while, I think on somebody, and then I text them, and I say, Brother Ron, look at this. What do you think of this? And he laughs. He says, I know exactly where you're coming from, Brother Ed. And it was a picture of somebody going into a bakery. And they say, what have you got here without fat or without sugar? And the waitress answers, napkins. <laughs> and Brother Ron says, I know exactly what you mean, Brother Ed. <laughs> 
And I said, but you know one good thing? I said, napkins are high in fiber content. And that's a good thing. Okay. How did I get distracted here so easily? What is it, friends? We, we, got, we got to recognize we're influenced by the world around us. When people get so inward and they think about things more than people, when they think about themselves and the things, that's a selfish life. That's a life for yourself. I'll say this. You pour out, you watch God give you the things your hearts desire, but pour out to God. And you know what? You'll be double blessed when you get it. Because God, God knows what you desire. God knows what you want. But it's our attitude towards things. We don't want to share. We don't want to be a part of it. Listen, I'm, I'm down this path already. I'll just keep going. We live in the most unthankful generation there ever has been. In the last days, perilous times shall come. People will be lovers of themselves, unthankful, unholy, ungodly, unthankful. My, you do something for somebody and you give it to them, and they act like, that's exactly what I deserved. Thanks. That's not a thanks. I'll tell you what. Something goes sideways, I say, thank you, Lord. I don't know why, but I thank him. Give him thanks in the good times. Give him thanks in the bad times. Lord, I thank you for our song leaders. They make up for what I can't give. Lord, I thank you for the pews that we have. They keep me awake in church. Lord, I thank you for the brother that prickles me the wrong way. It keeps me on my knees. Lord, I thank you for the things of my life. And you know what? You start to change your disposition and you watch how God begins to work around you. But when you're a little cactus that's pointing and prickling at everybody, we've got something wrong inside. I don't know if we sometimes recognize how we give off. The fragrance we give off when we begin to move around people. You know, we we can justify, well, we've got to be on the word. Yes, you've got to be on the word. But how do you enter the chamber? What's the fragrance you're giving? What's your life that's presenting? Friends, you may never get to tell anybody about the doctrine that you believe. Your neighborhood, your people on the job, people at school. But they will smell the fragrance of your life. They will smell what you are feeding on. They will smell where you come from, where you live and where you dwell. That's the fragrance that God's desiring to present to the world. Don't worry. I preach this to myself first. And sometimes it's not just being nice at church to everybody. And we can be so pious. Listen, just remove your, fold up your wings for a sec, remove your halos, and just fellowship with me for a minute, will you? We can get to a place where we get religious. And yeah, we just give that little smile, that little bow, you know. And it's not really... You know, and I know Brother, Brother Dale just prayed last Sunday, Lord, how we long to shake hands with one another. How we long to hug one another. That's genuine love. But I, I just say this, sometimes we don't realize the approach, and, and sometimes we, what we do at church is one thing, and then what we do on the job on Monday is another thing. And what we do in traffic is another thing. 
get frustrated too. Man, how come the lineup at Tim's is so long this morning? Yeah, it's a first world problem. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Ah, man. And then, last of all, sometimes the ones we are the worst to are the ones we live with. And I I had to say, Lord, I don't want that old Ed Hammermeister to rise up. I want the Spirit of Christ to live in me. Teach me to be a little more loving, a little more kind. Listen, you say, Brother Ed, get into the depth. I'm getting into the depth of the Word. Relax. This is a part of it. What's the fragrance of our approach? How often would Brother Branham say, when you get that nature, that wolf nature, the dove just takes its flight, and you wonder why your prayers aren't getting through? Why is it? I I didn't expect you to be jumping up and down, clapping, because the government doesn't allow that, but it's okay. I didn't expect that. But on the other hand, you know what? I'm going to a land. I'm going to a place. I'm hardly off of page one. My goodness. Okay. Let's, let's just jump ahead here to chapter 37. I'll just take two verses here. And Bezaliel made the ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half was the length of it, and a cubit and a half the breadth of it. So this is the guy now. He's been in charge with making the ark. You talk about a wisdom. Friends, when we have a wisdom, we, we need something that, that's intangible. As a minister, I'm, I'm approaching a subject. I, I, Lord, you lead me. I don't know where to cut this off. I don't know which direction you want this. You know, that's where we need God. That, that's not just, God has to put that in us. And then now he, he goes and he goes into the whole building of the ark. And he goes to the end of it down to verse 29. And look at this. Look how important. Look at where this is situated. Right at the time of the ark. And it says, And he made the holy anointing oil. And the pure incense of sweet spices. According to the work of the apocathary. My! What a gift to be able to know. And Brother Branham, they ask him, What's the greatest thing? They ask Billy, Billy Paul, What's the greatest thing you've seen in Brother Branham's life? And he says, All America says, knowing what God wanted done in a certain situation and how to handle it. And then Brother Branham and pick up the pen in the right. The bride knows what he wants done with the word. She knows that she has to rightly present it to the people. The minister brother, he just sent me a little text or a little quote this morning. He said, oh Lord, help us to make it plain that we can that it can build faith in your people. And I say, oh God, let me, I I prayed last night, I said, Lord, I don't even want to preach, let me live a life. That's all I want is just to live a life. Let me have that, because out of that will come the preaching. Out of that will come the right disposition. Out of that will come the right approach. Is that your desire? I trust you're with me this morning. Is this all right? We're going to a land. It's good to do this. Better than listening to CNN this morning. Better than listening to, to, the, to the latest updates and the stats of the COVID-19. Listen, enough of that news. This is the good news. This is where we're going. 
Now, I, I need to move ahead a little bit here. Brother Adam would talk a little bit, and he would just say this. And I took this last time, and my goodness, I really need to pick some of these things up. But I, I won't turn to it. Revelations chapter 5, you can read it. After they took the book, they sang a new song, and they poured out the vials full of the odors of the prayers of the saints. Now the odors were sweet odors. It was, it was a part of the taking of the book. Uh, l- listen, let's just let's go to Revelations 8. We'll skip, we'll skip to that one quickly. Revelations chapter 8. Let's just read verse 1. This is, you know, if you actually take the word incense, it's only mentioned in two places in the New Testament. It's mentioned when Zacharias goes into the temple. He's about to give the offering at the altar of incense, and an angel appears to him and says, the dispensation is changing. And he says, your wife will have a son. You'll call him John. Now, it, it, was, it struck me that it was right then. It could have been at home, but it was right then. That's how important it was. God didn't mind interrupting him right then. Now, the other place that it's mentioned is in Revelations. Actually, if you take the odors of Revelations 5, but here in chapter 8. So he says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels that stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. Now this is right after the seventh seal is brought into the play, but now it's transitioning into the trumpets, and, 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 he, and he's going. And, and there was an, it was a part of this that was there, the prayers which have entered. James talks about your prayers have entered the, the ears of, of the Lord of the Sabbath. So, so they're heard, but they're also smelt. David would say in Psalms 141, let my prayer be as the incense that comes forward. So there was something with the prayers that was sweet smelling before God. And he says, and they took the smoke of this incense, verse 4, which came up with the prayers of the saints and ascended before the God, before the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So they cast, they took, to me, I feel like the bride lives a righteous life. And that life will stand as a testimony before God. And there'll come a time, Brother Branham would actually say, when this nation, the USA, will take on the mark of the beast. When it will begin to speak like the dragon of old. It's moving that way very quickly right now. And I just say this, the bride is the only place where God can still draw something from. And he'll use that for a purpose. I I hope I can say this yet in, in the time allotted here the way I feel I need to. There's other scriptures. Sister Ruth, I'm going to skip a few of these scriptures this morning. Let me, let me just take this for a moment. And, and, and this, there'll be another part or so of this thing. But what we have, we all have a measure of something. We don't have the fullness thereof. 
You might be naturally an easygoing person and may have a measure of patience, but God has to give us godly patience. Okay? Brother Adam would talk about Christ. He was the rose of Sharon. What did they do with that rose? They squeezed it out. They mashed it out. For what purpose? To get the perfume out of it. A beautiful rose has to be squeezed down to get the perfume for the rose. There was never a life like it, a beautiful life, but it had to be squeezed out at Calvary. They took the anointing of the rose of Sharon and put it upon Aaron, who had to be anointed that for to go before the Lord in the holy place, in the holy veil. Now this is the bodily anointing. To, to sprinkle the mercy seat. That anointing must be on him. A sweet-smelling savor, packing the blood of the lamb before him. He also had to be sprinkled by the lamb. Pomegranates and bells under his garments. He had to walk a certain step, playing holy, holy unto the Lord. Friends, we, this is not something you can put on. You, you, you can't go to a psychology school to know how to say your words right. It's phony. This only comes from being in the presence of God. Notice, he is the rose of Sharon. That sweet-smelling savor, now listen to the next statement, the anointing upon his people. You cannot come before him with any creed, anything else. He is the lily of the valley. How do you get opium? You get opium when you take a lily and you squeeze it out. Take a man that's nervous and flusterated. I got flusterated this last week. Maybe you got flusterated. Brother Ed, that's not common English. No, flusterated. You, you understand it better than frustrated. He says, take a man that's nervous and flustrated, or a woman. She feels like she's going to go crazy. Sometimes that's the way it is with the headlines. I don't need to hear any more headlines. He says, she's walking the floor screaming in hysterics. A doctor will take a little of his lily opium, push it into an arm or a vein, and they quiet down. And he says, but as soon as the opium dies out, there they are. But I tell you, friends, that's only a type of the genuine opium from the lily of the valley. Oh, that I know of. He's the lily of the valley. He was squeezed out on Calvary. He's the greatest flower that ever was growed, this lily of the valley, this rose of Sharon. Now, I'm speaking today a considerable amount about our approach, and it's the Old Testament approach, but I'm, I'm going to start to turn it here. And the Old Testament, remember, they were going into the holy place when the way was as yet not made in for everybody to go. So it was important to go into this place, and even when they went in from this place and then they came back out, then they were, there was something that came with them that was a comfort to all the people. Now that was only fulfilled in Christ. But let me, let me just, just take that for, for a few moments here now. Oh my, oh my. Okay, Let's just go, go with me for a moment to Genesis chapter 9. 
And just, just you hold your, your finger there. I'm going to just share a couple of things. They were told never to use this incense for other things. If you go into Ezekiel chapter 16, it talks about how God speaks to Israel and how they said, you trusted in your own beauty. You took your fair jewels of gold that I gave you and you committed whoredom. And it says, and you burnt my incense before others. Now, now just look at how God views this. And then he says in, in Jeremiah, he says, they committed wickedness. They went to burn my incense and serve other gods. There, there's many places you could read in Jeremiah chapter, different places, they burnt their incense. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, it was there at that time that Uzziah came and he desired to take the priest's role and burn the incense and God smote him with leprosy. It wasn't God's ordained way. It wasn't God's ordained place. And he did all of that. So there's wrong applications to use the incense. But let's just go back to Genesis chapter 9 here for a minute. In Genesis chapter 9. You know what? I actually think it's actually Genesis chapter 8. I may have given you the wrong one. I did. I'm sorry. My t I, I was looking at 9 and it actually is 8. This is in verse 20, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. And Noah built an ark, an altar rather. This is after the flood. Now just think about the wrath of God has come on the earth. Just think about how foul it was, the stench it was in God's eyes. And then he saves Noah, and Noah comes out. Now he's out from the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and he took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, just think, the first altar after the flood. Verse 21. And look at what the effect it had with God. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Now, when the Lord smelt that, it did something for him. And he makes this covenant. And he says, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything. But it was when he smelled the savor. Now, I'm, I'm trying to get you into this channel of, of, of the savor, the incense, etc. Let's... I need to, I could take the book of Esther, I could take different places, but I, I need to just kind of move this forward. So I'm going to go over to the Song of Solomon here for a moment, and then actually we'll make this for the rest of the service. We're just going to take a couple of uh, verses here. So the Song of Solomon is an interesting book. If you read this book carnally, you're going to get embarrassed. If you read it in your family devotions and you don't make some kind of passing comments on it, you're going to have to explain yourself a little bit. So it's not meant to be read carnally, but it's in metaphors. It's in, it's in, it's in, it's in, in, in language that only, and, I, and I'm moving this a little bit from the language of the church and the do's and don'ts to the language of the bride and the bridegroom. Because that's the message that we're under. I, I trust you're under that this morning. 
uh, you know, there came a point in Brother Branham's ministry where he was not just the messenger to the Laodicean church age, but he became the messenger. He became the Eleazar to the bride. He began to whisper, he began to allow God to whisper the love secrets. And so there's a language that only the bride and the bridegroom can know. There's only a language that those people that enter into the presence of God can know the savor and what it does to them when they come out of it. So in the Song of Solomon, and then I'll just take a couple places, but let's just go to chapter one. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. I love teaching on singing. It gives me a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> something that I don't have naturally. <laughs> so it's the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. You know, I, 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 I got to share this a little bit because the whole idea of the incense, you know, and I thought of it, I, I mentioned to you before about oils not being diluted properly, but I was working late one night and I was there alone and I thought, I need a little snack. I'm not going to go and get a chocolate chip cookie or something. I'll just have a little bit of popcorn. So I went and put the popcorn in. I didn't read it closely enough. I thought it was the bigger bag where they have a three-minute timer, but it was, it was only the minute, the minute and a half bag. And so I just went around the corner and I came back and it was like, <laughs> it was like the microwave still smells like it six weeks later. So luckily, uh, my daughter had left a little package of oil, so, and there was a diffuser, and so I had this diffuser, so you, you put the diffuser, and you mix it with some water, and you drop a few oils, and out comes this lovely orange fragrance, and I thought, wow, this is great, but it didn't mask the popcorn smell. So, but, you know, I thought about the fragrance, and, and it's not just good in its raw form, but it needs to be mixed, it needs to be aromatic, it needs to come out. Now, it can only come out in certain conditions. Now, let's just take this here for a moment. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as an ointment poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love thee. Draw me. We will run after thee. Friends, this is not just a love story. This is not just a book of do's and don'ts. This is not about just like This is a love story. Somewhere you've got to have a love story in your relationship with God. You know, read the book of David. Lord, I love your commandments. Lord, I love your, your works. I love your precepts. I love these things. I'll tell you what. When you get into that channel, oh, oh the do's and don'ts don't even matter. Love becomes richer, greater, fuller. Draw me. We will run after thee. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and you had, uh, you, you expected, I need to be, I need correction. Well, listen, this is part of it. Let, let God draw us. Let him do these things for us. Drop down to verse 12. While the king sitteth at his table, my spike nerd sendeth forth the smell thereof. So this was the, the bride coming to the king's table. She didn't just come and out of the smell of burnt popcorn and drop something on. You know, if you look at Esther coming before the king, hey, it was six months of purification of this and six months of that and six months of that. What's God doing with us? He's baking the greenness out. 
You know, you can take the right doctrine and have the wrong spirit, the wrong approach, and you can mess it up so badly. And sometimes God's preparing us. If, if, if we believe in actually the third pole speaking to the soul and that there will eventually be a fullness of adoption where we become His words or our words become His, it's going to take character. It's going to take some, some greenness to be baked out of us. So the, the, she came to the king's table Sitting at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. So, you know, these are all spices that are part of it. Let's just drop over to chapter 2. I'm, I'm picking up just a few things. Look at the language here. I am the rose of Sharon. Now, when you think about the attributes of a rose, you know, I, I went the other day, I don't know, I'm kind of weird sometimes this way, but I'm driving home, and I was looking at all these blossoms on these trees, and they're like fuller than ever. I just pulled over, and I just go over there with my camera, and I took a picture, and I just... And then I looked, and there was three kids running their bicycles watching me. And I go, what's wrong with him? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Smell the flowers. Life is fuller, richer. <laughs> I can show you the place, honey. It's just down the road. <laughs> it's just they—they were—they were looking at me fearful, you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Get in the Word, and oh Lord, you're speaking to me. You know, Brother Ed's just preaching on that. Brother Andrew just touched on that. Brother Mo, you know what? I just read that in a message. Brother Brown just said this here. I'll tell you what. That's when it's a love song. That's when it's harmonizing. That's when it's all coming together. That's when it's a sweet fragrance. Oh, it, it's wonderful when it's like that. There's a reason this book is in the Bible. I'm the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. As the lily among the thorns. This is why I was saying that to my wife yesterday. As the lily among the thorns, so is my love among the daughters. As the apple tree is among the trees of the wood, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight. His fruit was sweet to my taste. Now we never think about God having the sense of smell. We never think about the words that enter his ears. But, but what we are is a reflection of what God is. And so God's got these various channels. And I'll, I'll tell you what, life is richer. I'll tell you what, did you ever, and I know I'm getting close to noon, so it's really dangerous to go down this path here. It says, but you know, you, you drive by a restaurant and you get this, that, that bit of garlic smell, and then you get just the smell of a barbecue. Oh, what are we having as we head home? I got some macaroni warmed up. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> My wife is in church for the first time in a few months here, but I, I, I don't know what we've got. But I'm sure if I drive by the right fragrance places, it'll, it'll manifest. I'm sure it will. You know, I'll tell you what. There's something. I'll tell you what. You smell something sometimes. You walk into a, what are you guys, what are you cooking? And you smell it and you go, <laughs> I don't want any part of that. You know. <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you, when, it's, when, it, when it enriches and, and, you, and then when you get presentation and when you get, oh, I'll tell you what, and taste. I mean, smell is one of those things that, that's from afar off. Touch, you have to touch. Taste, you have to taste. But smell, it, it's by degrees. 
Oh, where is that? Oh, man, I, I got to get to that. I'll tell you what, that's the way it is in the Word. Oh, there's something about this that's wonderful. I, I hope you guys are with me. Bear with me in my folly, if you will. But listen how he says, he says, he brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. Didn't say his banner over me was a whip and the law and order, but it was love. And he says, stay with the flagons, comfort me with apples, for I am sick of love. Drop down to verse 8. And he says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Now, I, I'll, I'll need to draw some pictures of this sometime, but my beloved is like a roe or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows. He's showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spake and said unto me, rise, my love, my fair one, come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds is come. You know what, I, I, I just got up this morning, I was up early, and I always get up early on a Sunday morning, but I, I just making the coffee, and that's one kind of smell, but then I step on the deck, and ah, the freshness of the morning. Can you believe how, you know, take the pictures that we just saw of the world and the riots and the smoke and the smell of last night. But in the morning, oh, it'll be beautiful. There's something about it that just you're, you're attached to. So listen, he says, the fig tree putteth forth her green figs. The vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, come away. Now, we never associate smell so much with all of these things. I, I'm, I'm going to get down to chapter 4. Verse 1. I didn't give you this one, Sister Ruth, but I, I'm going to just spend the last few minutes on this part here. He, he goes, well, I won't read. If you read verses 1, Behold, thou art fair, my love. He, he begins to tell her how her hair is like a flock of goats. Like, I, I, I'd have to take time with that because if you tell your wife that, she might not talk to you for a while. You know, he says, you know, and, and you're, you're, you, you've got dove's eyes within your locks, and your teeth are like a flock of sheep that were shorn. Oh, yeah, well, thanks a lot. You know, but there's a language here associated with where they lived, okay? Now, let's just take this down to, to verse 6. Until the day break and the shadows flee away. Now, this is, this is now, the, the, if you read the first three chapters of Song of Solomon, it's the bride speaking. So there's an attraction, there's sight, there's sound, there's smell. But now in chapter 4, this is the bridegroom speaking back. And now look at how he views us. Look at how he looks at us. You know, and then he says this, Until the daybreak and the shadows flee away, I will get me to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Oh, if we could recognize that this morning. When God looks at us, he's not looking at me. He's not looking at you. He's looking through the blood. There's no spot in you. He sees God. It's the work that God has done. And he says, Thou art there's, now come with me. Oh, I love this language. Come with me. Not come unto me. Come with me. From Lebanon, my spouse. With me. 
He's calling us. Come with me, he says. He says, from Lebanon, from the top of Amana, from the top of Shinir and Hermon, from the lion's dens, from, from the mountains of the leopards, thou hast ravished my heart. Listen, I drop down to verse 10. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine. And the smell of thine ointments than all spices. Now just, just look at the language here. Now we're taking this from the approach of a priesthood. Now this is the same thing, but it's on a higher level. This is the bride and the bridegroom. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. The smell of thy garments is like the smell of Lebanon. I don't think it's the city of Lebanon or the country now. There's other things here. Verse 13. Thy plants are an orchard of pomegranates. Now, I won't have time to get into today, but the pomegranates, that was actually what the priest had to wear. And if you look at pomegranates, you take a part of pomegranate, it actually, you open it up, it's red inside. Now, he's, there's a fragrance also associated with it, but listen to what he says. Thy plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, campfire and with spikenard. Spikenard and saffron and calcimus and cinnamon and all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and all the chief of spices. A fountain of gardens is a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. Now look, look at this whole thought. All of these things, they're plants God has created. Some visually are good to look at. Some smell, but all of these are drawing metaphors of a relationship of God and his bride. The relationship isn't one-sided. It's, it's not compartmentalized. It's not just when I'm, I'll tell you what, it's not just when I'm in church. It's not just when I'm in my prayer closet, but it's my daily walk with him. It's when I'm sitting across from somebody and talking to them. It's when I'm banging my hammer. It's when I'm pulling a lug nut. It's, it's when you're cooking. It's when you're doing whatever. The relationship's there. The aroma's there. The fragrance is there. And he says this, verse 16, Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. Blow upon my garden, that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruits. Now, let me just focus on that word just for a few minutes, and we'll just take, take it, and then we'll go from there. But if you actually take this, and, and take the thought I had of, of a diffuser and how these things come up, these spices don't necessarily come until they're mixed or until there's a certain season or until something carries them. So a diffuser has a little thing that shoots it out and it permeates the air and it does those things and, and it's wonderful. And I'm getting used to it. I'm not selling oils yet, but I'm getting used to it, okay? So if you, if you the, holy oil, the holy oil of the Holy Ghost, that, that's the only one that I'm really promoting here. But he would go on to say, now, he says, the south wind. Now, remember the picture we had of Jerusalem. Now, you think where the temple of Solomon was, it would have been up there, but Solomon's garden or his house with all these spices. Now, he's inviting his beloved. He calls her a garden. He said, she's my garden. And he's likening all these different aspects. I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit more of this down the road here. But he's likening all of these aspects and then he makes this thing and he says, 
The south wind, and now I think I hope perfectly. Now the north is the eagle anointing. The south is, is, you know, east and west, if you remember it, and then from the south. Now if you actually look at Jerusalem and the topography, and you look at it, the south wind that comes, if it's dead south, it's a hot, dry wind. It actually is almost like a persecution. And then when it comes from the southwest or the southeast, I think, it kind of comes and it brings rains to it. But when the north winds comes over the top, it sweeps back down over the city. And all the fragrances of that garden come back down over that city. So now he's saying, awake, O north wind. Now let me, let me just, man, I need like another half hour to speak what I have in my heart now. We all have fruits that we bear. Sometimes we struggle. We, we go through seasons of great struggle. You know, we, we don't all like patience. Like we don't feel like we have patience. I thought, man, the coming of the Lord should have been a long time ago. Or this lineup should have been over. And when will this COVID thing be? I'll tell you what. I talked to a brother the other day, and I was just sharing some frustrations. He goes, brother, he says, God is teaching you extreme patience. Thank you. <laughs> but sometimes we get flustrated. Why isn't it working out? And you know, and, and we go through things, and we go through seasons, and maybe you go through hurts, and it could be in different things, and then God takes, it's almost like that, that wind is pressing against you. The wind's a persecution, and they're coming up, and they're pressing you and pressing you, and, and, and yet, you know, inside, something's changing. Something's happening. And then, all of a sudden, you come out of a trial, and God lets the north wind just blow again. And it blows, and all of a sudden now, somebody comes, and you would have got upset. I'll give him a piece of my mind. But now it's like, it's all right. God's got this under control. So what is it? That spice that God's trying to bring out of our life has to flow. It can't just be resident within. It has to be aromatically brought forward. And so Solomon's saying, let this north wind come. Let all the persecution and the hot wind of the south and all the things I've gone through, now let that breeze come. Let it just come and flow. And he, he would make the statement, he said, blow that the spices thereof may flow. Have you considered my bride? There is none like her. She's got attributes. She's got characteristics that are not her own. They're the work of God. The patience, the wisdom, the understanding that God put in all of these men is the same work he's doing in the bride. He's making something happen within us. It's not us. I'll tell you what, you go through seasons and you get frustrated with yourself. But then every once in a while God stops and says, and all of a sudden, wow, Lord, look what you've done. I was, I'm winding down, I'm winding down. I was in Africa and hit a trial and I just felt like, oh, Lord, how can this be in your plan? And I just got to praying and out of that prayer came some thoughts. And I, I didn't even realize they were there, they were maybe dormant. And all of a sudden I began preaching something I actually came to a service. I had notes and notes, and I just left them. And I just said, Lord, this is you moving me. And I came, and I just preached from my heart. 
and, got, and just words flowed and flowed and flowed. They were there all the time. But the north wind had to come and just blow them out. And let them come out. And let them be some... Friends, what do people see? More, more than they hear our words. It's how the words are presented. It's how the words come out. It's the attitude with which we present them. It's, it's how it comes. It's a work that God has done. I'm going to stop there because i got way more to speak. And I'll bring that up in another service. But I trust you can begin to see the reason... There's a fragrance to our approach. Let's have the musicians come. There's a reason, there's a fragrance that's attached to what we do. I'll tell you what, if God spent the time to anoint different people in the book of Exodus, and now the bride is his crowning creation, and there was a fragrance and there was a part that it played. I'll tell you what, Brother Ray, you can come up here too. There's a part that it played, I'll tell you. How about for us? Let's stand together. I, I, if you're like me, I can honestly say, Lord, may you, whatever the wind is, if I need a little bit of wind to mold me and shape me, if I need a little bit of that, but then Lord, every once in a while, let that other wind blow forth. Let it not be me, but let it be Christ. I, I want to see him. Don't you, wanna, don't you want, do you want to see him? Oh, I, I desire to see him. All I want to see is Jesus working in me. That, that, that really ought to be our cry. That's my, my cry. You know what? I, 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 I don't... I'll tell you what. I'm, I get upset enough at myself. Can't imagine how I make others feel. But when He comes, it just changes everything. Why don't you go ahead and sing that, Brother Ray. Oh, I know the time is new And everything that I hold you We'll lay before the holy consuming fire All my works and all my deeds And every prayer spent on my knees We'll lay before the holy consuming fire Shine. 